This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance Plus, save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Looks like you've been missing a lot of work lately. I wouldn't say I've been missing it, Bob. Live from YouTube, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's cousin Diana, and I hope you're here to live long and prosper. Because today, we're celebrating Star Trek star Will Wheaton's birthday by fighting intergalactic inflation. To help you plan your most prosperous life, we welcome, from your richest life planning, CFP Katie Brewer. Also joining us today from LenPenzo.com, a Klingon lord. Nah, it's just Len Penzo, but you can see how I could be mistaken. Rounding out our crew is our own version of Data, always seeking to become more human in his behavior, often with unfortunate results. It's Doc G. And halfway through our battle against the evil of rising prices, I'll swoop in with my galactic trivia. And now, the Captain Kirk on this ship to the Benjamin Galaxy, Joe Salcihai. Hey everybody, live in YouTube land and listening uh, later, I'm Joe Salci. I have a show money on Twitter, listening, whatever you're listening, I suppose. Dinah Miriam, how are you? Fantastic. How are you doing, Joe? I'm great. Uh, you are in the middle of planning a big conference, but I'm going to ask you about that a little bit later. You big Will Wheaton fan, you know, a bunch of Star Trek stuff. You're a huge I know Star Trek nerd, I'm sure. absolutely nothing about oh, Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, when I saw this script, I was like, what? what? I'm going to learn a lot today. She's like, Paulette, our head writer. She's like, no, <laughs> no, Paulette, don't send me down Star Trek land. Well, let's start off with our special guest here joining us. 
Now that we're back out of iPhone only land, meaning when we were recording on Fireside, we only, you had to have an iPhone. Katie Brewer does not do iPhone. CFP Katie Brewer here from Your Richest Life Planning. Look at that. Is that your Android? Yes. Let's show the uh, bad Android that was not allowed to be. Yes. Um, and now you can be with us. So I'm so happy you're back because as you know, Katie, you're like our last minute call. This must have felt weird to you that we called you like a week before saying, uh, hey, you want to be on I, the show? I had so much time to plan. I was like, it's not in 30 minutes. I mean, what am I going to do with myself in the meantime? <laughs> well, tell, <laughs> tell it's, it has been a while because we did Fireside uh, for these shows for just over a year. Tell everybody about what you do, about your richest life planning. And by the way, congratulations. Katie was just named one of the 100 most influential advisors in the United States by Investopedia. I know. I snuck on there with some other members of the show. I know. OG <laughs> is on, was, uh, was, was listed. Uh, Taylor Schulte hasn't been on in a long time, but he was, yep. he was up high. Uh, Brian Preston from the money guys on that list. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, yes. Well, stuff. well, tell everybody about the type of financial planning you do. Yeah. So I'm a financial planner. I have my own firm, which is Your Richest Life. I mainly work with 30 and 40-year-olds, like a few 50-year-olds sneak in there. So I'm a little bit different than other financial planners in that almost all of my clients are at least 15 years away from retirement. They're all trying to get to financial independence real quick, but you know, typical yeah. retirement age is, is quite a while away. And inflation impacts all of them. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's talk to a couple of our longtime contributors. Well, a guy who's been with us since the beginning and he wonders what the heck he's doing here today because this dude's, you're, you had COVID? It's not past tense, Joe. It's, it's present tense. I still have it. Yes. Oh, great. Glad you show up here in the basement. Uh, yeah, I hope I don't give it, I hope I don't give it to anybody, but uh, you know, I'm eight days in, so much better now than I was on the first few days there where I thought I was going to die. Not good to us old guys. You know, this is when you really wish you were 20 or 30 or yeah. 40 years old. So, Well, I was surprised that you said that you were going to do it, but inflation is something that you talk about a bunch at, at com. We're about to talk yeah. inflation again about the price of a sandwich here in what, about a month? I can't wait for that. Yeah, that's uh, actually it's less than a month. I uh, do my official survey here in a Another 10 days, I think. I go out and do all the, the ingredient surveys, and then, uh, yeah, we, we can start talking about our sandwiches. I can't wait. And a guy who's thinking about sandwiches right now, Mr. Doc G is here. Are you a big Star Trek fan? I am not. When I was little, my dad used to watch the original, and we had all the models at home. So I had we had the old Star Trek models from like the 1960s and 1970s in the house. But no, I, I like the old ones. They're fun. Do you even know who Will Wheaton is? Vaguely. 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 Len, how about you? Big Will Wheaton fan? You know, I'm a I'm an old Star Trek guy. Isn't Will Wheaton the next generation? Yes. Isn't that who yeah. he is? Yeah, yeah. 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 So I mean I it's it's been a while, but yeah. Come on, Katie. <laughs> but hold the Will Wheaton flag. Will Wheaton? Yes. <laughs> I just remember Scotty. Am I in the right show? <laughs> With the beat me up, Scotty. <laughs> well, you can see big Star Trek fans here on the show today. D Diane is here. Doc G's here. Len is here. Special guest Katie Brewer's here. We're talking inflation. How do you fight inflation? A fantastic piece. Uh, really dove into this in a nice way. So we're going to give you hopefully a bunch of tips to help you with this uh, wild ride that we're on with prices going up so quickly. But before all that... This episode is sponsored by State Farm. 
You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, Staggers, is Military Appreciation Month. You know what that means. We are recognizing all of our stackers in the audience. My good friend, Nords, Doug Nordman, who uh, some of you may know, he is a writer in personal finance. He's a guy I'd like to do a shout out to. He is such a giving member of the FIRE community, the Financial Independence Retire Early community. Uh, Nords will do anything for you. It's just, just, I think some of that comes from his time on a submarine, like my nephew Colin, who's on a submarine right now, and all the work that uh, he did there. Just a super giving member of the community. And you know what? A Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond, not this month, but every month. Navy Federal offers members only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Here's one of their offers in honor of Military Appreciation Month. Join and get $50 when you open a credit card. Of course, you want to have your whole debt strategy planned out, don't you? Don't just go open a credit card willy-nilly, as mom says. Uh, Here's a disclaimer. You got to join and open your membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. So get on it, stackers. Annual percentage yield is a 0.25% for membership savings account. $5 minimum balance to open. Maintain your membership savings account to obtain the bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for full terms and conditions. That's just one of the things. They offer 24-7 help for their U.S.-based service members. They have resources all over the place. Head to NavyFederal.org for full terms, conditions, and other offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. All right, let's... Man, this is exciting. How many times do you say, this is really exciting, and then, let's talk inflation. (laughs) So how did you spend your Friday? Oh, we talked inflation. It was great. It was like the most fun we could ever have. And you know what we did? We actually went and we looked at this piece from chiefmomofficer.org, 10 ways I fight inflation and you can too. And it's the chief mom officer's very personal dive into how she fights inflation. But I want to start off with a guy that she references, Mr. Penzo, at the top of this piece. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki, back in June 13th, said that inflation is about to take off. June 13th sounds like, <laughs> like, like June 13th. What year was that? <laughs> but I, I think it's funny. Inflation's been through the roof for six months and Kiyosaki goes, Hey, <laughs> inflation might be on the way. And then, and then, and then he writes best investment cans of tuna fish cans of tuna and baked beans. So when you think about fighting inflation, Len, you thinking about all your tuna and baked beans? Well, you know, in in, uh, Robert's defense, when you're looking at inflation, just from a hyperinflation perspective, I think this is where he was going with this. 
I'll use the Weimar hyperinflation event back in Weimar, Germany, back in the 19, between 1921 and 1923. Now, this was a, this was a catastrophic inflation. But just to set the, where I think he's coming from, in 1912 in Germany, the average household spent 30% of, of their spending on rent and 30% on food and 5% on utilities. By the end of the hyperinflation in 1923, 0.2%, 0.2% of their income was spent on rent and 92% was spent on food. 92%. Yes, that is. I mean, so that's where I'm sure that's where he was coming from when he said that. That being said, I mean, if things don't get that bad, I mean, it does make sense. If you're going to buy, you want to buy a can of food. If I, if things are hype are inflating at 10 or 15% a year, you know, and you buy a case of corn a year later, you've basically, you know, made 10 or 15% or you've got a return of 10 or 15% on those cans of food. I mean, we can kid around, make fun of uh, Mr. Kiyosaki, but there is some truth in there and food is, is not going to hurt you buying canned food. I think I'm more like going after the inflation's about to take off when it already had clearly <laughs> yeah. taken off. Yeah. That's, that's the yeah, part. Like, he missed that one, I guess. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you know. He just got the memo. Somebody just told him. <laughs> Babe Ruth calling his shot. Hey, and, after hey, he I'm, an ex- I'm an expert in the canned food. I've shared this here before. You've been to the bunker, Joe. You know, you've seen all my canned food that I have. I've told you about the time I've, I have so much canned food. I mean, it lasts way beyond the, the use by date. And I tested, you know, I regularly test 10, 15 year cans of food to make sure that they're still good. So yeah. the food does last. I said, I opened up the can of uh, Chef Bardi ravioli last year. It was over 10 years old. So uh, it looked terrible. Trust me, but but it tasted just fine. If you put a blindfold on, you wouldn't even know it. <laughs> Len doesn't have COVID. He is food poisoning. I'm wondering right now. That's what he's really got going on. By the way, I can't can't even get that I just, there's so many jokes about Len liking it in the can and I can't, I can't get, I can't get through it. Just just can't, can't do it. But I did it anyway. Look at how red I'm turning. Oh my God. Uh, Let's go into, let's go into the real uh, piece here, Katie. Let's dive into this a little bit. You know, she talks about Kiyosaki in real terms when he talks about tuna fish and about uh, baked beans, about she she does like the fact that she's a member of a warehouse club. She says she's a member of BJ's. Costco's too far away. Do you like the warehouse club? Do you think that's a good way to fight inflation? Okay, I will say personally that the Costco membership was like the worst thing that could ever be done to my budget. <laughs> was because- it really? <laughs> If we order stuff and we get it delivered, or if we just go in with our list and stick to it, but honestly, mainly I make my husband do the shopping because when I go along and my daughter goes along, Costco is freaking awesome at the marketing. Like, oh, you didn't know you needed this, but you know, to Lynn's point, here's a year of dried food (laughs) for like over a thousand dollars. And you didn't have that on your list when you walked in there, but suddenly you find yourself buying like a thousand dollars of freaking dried food because their marketing is so great at Costco. So if you have a, you know, the ability to stick to your list and go in and only get that, then I think the warehouse places are great. And if you store it and don't let it go bad, 
that's the only thing I have about storing food for really long periods of time. Um, my clients the- tend to be, yeah, either like Gen Y, which scare the bejesus out of me sometimes because they don't know what they're going to eat after tomorrow. So like if food supply goes down, they're literally going to starve within a week. And I got a bunch of Gen X clients and like, they, I think they literally are like clearing bedrooms out. They're like, this bedroom is no longer a guest bedroom. This is now our third pantry. And I'm like, there's got to be an in-between here. <laughs> Len, I think you're third pantry guy, aren't you? Is she describing the, the Penzo household? Uh, you, you know what's actually all, almost everything that we have is um, I've got special storage, but uh, you know, you need it to yeah. me. I'm like, Hey, if you got an extra bedroom, go ahead. What the hey, Diane, are you a Costco membership person? No, but it's funny that you raise this because we're seriously considering it for things like coffee mm. and nuts and like kind of the more expensive stuff that you want to buy in bulk. But we keep tossing it around. I don't want to pay for a full membership. I want to like find someone that has like their second card available and then split the cost <laughs> with them. So that's kind of what I'm holding out for. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But I mean, when it comes to inflation, I mean, I think we're all seeing it, you know, at the gas pump and the grocery store. But I do think we still have a lot of personal choice within the matter, right? So before we saw this high inflation, I only ever bought meat when it was on sale for less than $3 a pound. And I still do that today. Stuff stuff still goes on sale for less than $3 a pound. If you're used to shopping that way, you can still find those options. Lended that at a dollar a pound, which is how he became a vegan. <laughs> he just priced himself out of it like 15 years ago. Doc G, you're, you're shaking your head no when it comes to the Costco membership. Yeah. So it's theory versus practice, right? So in theory, it's a good idea. But in practice, buying all those tuna cans, storing them, buying all those dry goods, you know, I think we have to look at more durable things like maybe the decision is eating out less and cooking more at home. That to me is much more durable than packing my pantry with all sorts of things that I may or may not use. I will say though, you know, you go to Costco and you order one of those big hot dogs and like three of you can eat it for a meal for one twenty-five. That is is fighting inflation, but I'm not so sure about like filling up my car with all sorts of bulk goods. And I don't think people actually use them. I think they buy them and throw them out or put them in Len's bunker. I don't think they're actually like become useful. Send your stuff. Is, is the hot dog worth the Costco membership? Like, I mean, that's a heck of a savings on a hot dog, but how many hot dogs you got to eat to make it worth that membership cost? You don't need the Costco membership to get that hot dog deal. You can just, yeah, the, the food foods course outside the where they're checking for your uh your card and it's yeah, that's not even in the velvet with a, rope you with know? a soda right <laughs> and that price has not changed since 1985 yeah, it's, and they're it's still will they've said it will not change yeah i mean it's 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 a good use of your money dorothy hanging out with us oh. on uh youtube says you can shop at costco without a membership if you use a gift card if you have a uh have a gift card that you can use as well when it comes to inflation, though, she really dives in not with the Kiyosaki argument and buying stuff in bulk and having the Costco club. She actually starts with tracking your spending. And I'm going to go to the financial planner uh, for this. Katie, tracking your spending so that you know exactly what your personal inflation is. How important is this for us now? Is this a time when we really need to be looking at our... Yeah. So I'll tell you, I've got clients that really like to track their budget. And I have clients that never track their budget. I've actually had people that have gotten more interested in it 
which I think is great, just as inflation was never a sexy word and suddenly is becoming sexy, budget, I feel like, is also swinging into becoming a sexy word. And it's mainly because, you know, they didn't have to worry about it. And they probably still don't have to worry about it. But it it gives them the information to be able to make the changes if they needed to make the changes, which I think I is really if, important. Is, is, is budget truly a sexy word now? Or is it, or is it the in-laws, you know, that you don't like that are coming to visit, whether you want them to come or not, you know what I mean? I refer to it as cash flow and people like, you know, and for some reason that's like a little bit less like somebody shaking their finger at them (laughs) more like, oh yeah, okay. I'm participating in my household cash flow monitoring. Have you found for people that don't track their expenses yet to see what damage is being done to their budget? Have you found people starting out if there's one app they like, is there something they like better than other? I think it really depends on how much they want to get into it. I mean, like I'm a fan of YNAB, but also I'm a financial planner. Like the left brain is literally like 90% of my brain. So (laughs) when I have clients that are not necessarily naturally left brained, I think YNAB is like a tsunami of information that washes over their head. Yeah. Why not um, for people who are new to this is you need a budget and it gives every dollar a job so that from the very beginning of your month, put in all the dollars before you have them. And then you make sure that money's not unaccounted for. I would think that's probably the best way to yeah. put it. Yeah. The ones that don't really love a budgeting app, we actually go in and just kind of structure accounts. So we'll do like the fixed account for like the mortgage and the student loan payment. And then we'll do the other account. And that way they just can keep an eye on it. Like, are they running out of money real fast in the account that's not the fixed expenses oh, account? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then they need to... Then they need to maybe make a change. It's like really easy. It's really not even budgeting. It's just restructuring. I was going to say, even at the at the least, I was thinking using the to to just track expenses, not even budget using the software that the, you know most banks now just have a fairly robust tracking stuff going on. But that even mm-hmm. makes it easier. What you're talking about, Len? I would imagine you're a heavy duty spreadsheet guy when it comes to your budget. Yep, very very much so. And I know that in the past year, our grocery bill has gone up uh, about 35%. So I know that for a fact, nothing has changed in that time other than price inflation. So, and it's really neat to know, to have that data at your fingertips. As I asked the honeybee, I asked her maybe three or four weeks ago, hey, how has our grocery bill changed over the past year? And she came up with the answer right away just because we had that spreadsheet. Now, is there anything in there that I would change, you know, spending wise for groceries? Probably not, you know, at my stage of life where we've, you know, money is not an issue for budgets aren't tight. But I think if I was, if, you know, maybe in my just starting out in my 20s or 30s still and just bought a new home and money was tighter, I probably would be looking at where specifically to be cutting back and looking at areas um, where the inflation needed to, you know, we need to do something about it. So it is good to know information is power. Doc G, well, what do you guys use to track expenses? So we have never, ever tracked expenses our whole lives. I, I call it a non-budget. Basically, we use a series of hacks to save money in such a way that we don't have to put a lot of thought into it. So, for instance, my wife and I, when especially in our early years when we were both working, we would just naturally put one 
person's paycheck towards investments and one person's paycheck would go directly into checking account. And that was how much money we had. You kind of, you had money to spend or you didn't have money to spend and that was it. But we also set a series of rules together just to make it easier. Back in the day, like before, before today's modern era, when we were younger, um, like if you went to a vending machine, you used to need cash. So we just never carried cash. So we wouldn't spend at the vending machines. We wouldn't tend to stop for coffee or food if we were making a big purchase, we would never like buy a big purchase on a whim. So if we were at Target and all of a sudden we're like, oh, we need that $500 new TV, we would never buy it the same day. We would go home and give it a week and to cool off and then think about it. So we kind of built this idea of budgeting into our lives so that we didn't have to do the more formal writing everything out. But do you find that at a time now that we've got this huge inflation that that puts you a little bit at risk? Like when Len's talking about his grocery budgets, 30% higher and not 30 something percent higher. And, and, and he's doing nothing differently. It would seem to me that you might not be able to catch as quickly the rising costs. So again, it depends on your personal situation. So again, probably similar to Len is I'm not at a point in my life where I'm as worried about those fluctuations, but you know, there's also the sniff test. So you get really used to what things cost. So when you're at the grocery store and you're buying a pound of meat and you're like, whoa, that's more than before. Then you start making decisions. Like, am I going to buy that organic this time? Or gonna, am I going to go for the non-organic? Am I going to decide to have chicken tonight? Maybe that spaghetti really doesn't need meat sauce. It can have regular sauce. These are the kind of things I think you get really attuned to when you budget the way we budgeted. So we kind of just know the prices of things. In fact, sometimes I think we actually go the opposite way. We're much more likely not to pay extra because from a sniff test standpoint, it looks too expensive or looks more expensive. When actually, if we looked at our accounts, we'd probably be fine. But it's just the kind of insult of saying, oh, that was a lot less six months ago. And so that's kind of how it worked for us. And I think we naturally just have other habits. Like we, we tend to drive less, like knowing that gas has gone up. Uh, we have both an electric and a gas car. So we use the electric now more. And then we just tend to walk. Like I don't go grocery shopping by car anymore. I just walk to the market down the street and shop there. I got in trouble with everybody before. We have a town just south of where I grew up called Leonidas. How do you pronounce this? Is it Leonidas? Leonidas? Always ask a local. <laughs> <laughs> no, Leonidas Reviews. You guys see what's on what's yeah, on our yeah. screen? I think it's Leonidas reviews and I got made fun of because we do have it. We have this town south of where I grew up, Leonidas, and I can never pronounce the word right because of that. But, uh, a Leonidas review says if I buy in bulk, we just eat the food faster than we would if we bought it as we wanted it for us. We spend more overall. That's why I don't do the, I don't do the Costco club for that reason. Uh, uh, Leonidas, I'm just going to call him Leonidas because it feels so much more comfortable. Uh, <laughs> That's why we hey, don't. I want, to, I want to bring up one thing though with respect to that, and yeah. that's a lot of people do that. But if you rotate your food, what you do is slowly build up your stores, and like after you got a year's worth of stores, as long as you're rotating, the food doesn't go beyond the date. So I mean, you're constantly, you know, as long as you're rotating, you always have a, a six month or a one year supply behind you, and the food does not go bad. So that I think a lot of people miss that point. They think uh, I buy in bulk and then I just keep eating, you know, they leave the bulk stuff in the closet instead of rotating. So you have to rotate. I think that also means just meal planning in general, Len. I mean, when we meal plan, we generally do a great job then of clearing out the freezer and the refrigerator. And I spend a ton less money when I meal plan than I do when I don't. My food waste is also considerably less. 
Yeah, I think that's great. Is it time to start? When do we start bringing up our own ideas or is this, is this the second half of the show, Joe? Or is it- yeah, let's do that in the second half of the just- show. And actually what's funny is <laughs> we spent way longer on that base than I thought, but coming up with the second half of the show, not only are we going to go through your ideas, we're going to dive into her ideas. We haven't gotten into any of those, but before we do that, we have a very important segment here. We have a trivia competition that's been happening all year long between our three main uh, contributors Mr. Penzo's here representing himself. He should be on the injured reserve, but he came off the bench because it's very important for Len to make sure that he gets this point back because somehow recently our friend OG took the lead in this deal, which uh, as Len knows, cannot happen. Just cannot happen. So OG's pulling ahead now with 10 and a half. Len has nine. And uh, Paula has six and a half. And I think what we'll do, we'll just keep the genders the same and we'll have Doc G play for OG (laughs) and uh, we'll have Katie play for Paula, which also, Len, would seem to make sense that, um, you know, with OG in first place, the way that he is having Doc G play for OG. I'm the the handicap. Yeah, yeah. 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 (laughs) If we're going to have a little boomerang. Hey, hey, I won last time. I mean, Doctor, that that that's not what happened last time. I heard you I you, you hit it out of the park last time. Yeah. But I think that was for you, Len. Not not, yeah. not, not for oh, it was. Oh, good job. <laughs> good, good job, <laughs> yeah. Re- Reversion reversion to the mean should mean that I should be really off for the next few. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, Paula, it's six and a half, falling way behind. So, Katie. It's on you, girlfriend. <laughs> it's all on you. But I think before we play this game, I think we have to have a trivia question, don't we, Diana? We sure do. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's cousin, Diana. And today, let's lean into Star Trek nerd trivia, shall we? Will Wheaton portrayed Wesley Crusher? a child genius and Starfleet hopeful, much like myself, on the television series Star Trek, The Next Generation. He's become famously associated with the series, even appearing as a fictionalized version of himself in a reoccurring role on The Big Bang Theory. So my question is, if Wheaton was 18 when he left the show, how old is he now? I'll be back with the answer after I learn Klingon for happy birthday. That may take Diane a little while. Gives us some time to get your answers in. And we start with the person who's in first place, which is Doc G. Doc Mm -hmm. is a big Star Trek fan, I'm sure, as you mentioned earlier. Will Wheaton, how old is he this year? He was 18 when he finished The Next Generation, right? All right. So Next Generation was the one right after the original Star Trek. Now that I think about it, I think I did watch The Next Generation. And I'm thinking that was, was it in the 80s? No, it was in the 90s, maybe? So if he was 18, and we're going to say that it was around 1990, that would make him about 48. Is that it? So I think I'm going to go with 48. Yeah. 48. Mr. Penzo, what are you thinking, man? I don't know. It's probably, it's another one. Well, I'm either going to go on one side or the other. (laughs) It's 90. But why? You you think he's in the ballpark? (laughs) I think so. Yeah. You said you weren't I, a fan was, of this series, Len, but, um, but did you watch any of them? Wasn't Will Wheaton? He was 
was he the one with uh, when um, who's the bald guy that was uh, the captain after uh, Picard? Yeah, no, he was Picard. Was, 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 he in there? was he in that? Was he on that show? The Picard? Yeah, ones? yeah, I think yeah. so. I believe not to help okay. you out, but yes, no, but it's, uh, gosh, you said you said forty eight. I'll say I don't know. I'll say fifty one. Fifty one for Mister Penzo. So Katie. Mm. Even though, okay. even though you have clarify, are we doing the closest or the not above rules? Because I think I've gotten heard uh, <laughs> by this before. <laughs> I was going to say, Katie getting the rust out because she hasn't been on the show in a while. And uh, no, we no longer have the without going over rules, just whoever's the closest. So we've got 48 and 51. All right, I'll go 46. Just going 46. You guys pin me in, man. <laughs> pin me in. You know what? We gave you some leeway there. We could have we could have sandwiched you proper, but we didn't. I know. It could have been Doc. 49 and 47. Got much breathing room there. I don't know. Yeah. Right there. We'll see. Doc G feeling a little claustrophobic. We'd like to tell you who's going to win this thing, but we don't play that way. We'll be right back. Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union lets you experience more from everyday commutes to your next big vacation. The flagship credit card earns you three times the points on travel. If you pay your credit cards off every month, why not give yourself three times the points on travel so you can get rewarded for wherever you're headed next? Plus, this premium travel card is a low annual fee of $49 and still gives you two times the points on all other purchases outside of travel, meaning the rewards don't have to end even when the vacation does. Speaking of rewards. If you are struggling with your commute to work and you haven't built up that fund to pay cash for your car and you need a loan, well, Navy Federal has you covered with an auto loan because applying is easy. You can do it on their mobile app, online or by phone. And it's so fast, you'll get a decision in seconds. They have great rates on auto loans. Plus with their car buying service that I talk about all the time, how I've used this and it saved me thousands of dollar stackers. It's powered by TrueCar. And it just is an amazing way to negotiate on your car without the pressure of standing face to face with people and negotiating. I know how hard that is for me. I'm sure it's hard for you too, but man, does that help? And you can shop, compare, and get upfront pricing on your next new or used car. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA. It's open to the armed forces, the DOD, veterans, and their families. Flagship rates are variable and range between 10.74 and 18% APR based on creditworthiness. ATM fees for cash advances are up to $1 at non-Navy Federal ATMs. Credit and collateral subject to approval. Message and data rates may apply. Visit NavyFederal.org for more information and to apply. Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties 
or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Doc G, you kick this thing off by saying 48 years old, Mr. Wheaton is uh, this year. Feeling pretty good about that? I'm kind of in between. So uh, I'm wondering when the show ended. Like, was it in the 90s? So he may be, I'm guessing, if anything, I might be a little bit on the too old side. Well, he thinks then Katie might be the one. So feeling, feeling pretty good about that, Katie? I don't know. I'm at the very end of Gen X, and so I figured maybe he's like a little, a few years older than I am. That makes two of us, Katie. <laughs> Mr. Penzo, then you don't seem confident at all with your 51 then. No. Nope. Based on nope. that. I don't. Well, let's see. It sounds like most people giving it to Katie. Is Katie going to help Paula get back in the game? Here we go. Hey there, stacker. I'm Joe's mom's cousin, Diana. Star Trek, The Next Generation, originally aired from September 28, 1987, good year, by the way, to May 23rd, 1994. The series finale, much like this YouTube channel, was watched by over 30 million viewers. So how old is Will Wheaton, one of its stars? Well, he's 50. And that means that Len is our winner. Len was, what, 51? Big birthday. Yes. Big birthday for Mr. Wheaton this year, turning right. 50. Happy birthday, Will. I know Will much more. He is a board game channel. They play, he and his family and, mm-hmm. and some of his uh, geeky friends play board games on YouTube. And uh, mm-hmm. for those of us that love board games, if you can't play a board game, nothing more fun than watching somebody else play a board game. Let me just say, you guys owe me because I anchored you well. <laughs> you did. You did. I anchored, I anchored that answer well, and I deserve we it, some we credit it over for that. over under here. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Penzo, that pulls you back within half a point. It's becoming a two-horse race between you and OG. You know what's brilliant about this whole year-long competition is it's really hard to stay on top because you have to guess first. So, I mean, it's really... It's a good format because, you know, nobody, there's always a chance for the people behind. I just like seeing the sweat and uh, more next (laughs) week, but we got to sweat about inflation. Second half of today's uh, show brought to you by Magnify Money. Mr. Penzo, you know what happens when you go to stackybedjamins.com slash Magnify Money? No hard questions this week, Joe. The COVID's really got my brain uh, in a fog. (laughs) But but you get it right so often. Even with COVID, you know that those brick and mortar products probably not as good as ones that are available online. Over 92% of all the stuff online ranked head to head at magnifymoney.com, head to stackybenjamins.com slash magnifymoney. Second half here, we want to really get into it. I, I have meant to get into this uh, in the first half, but we spent a good amount of time talking about Costco membership. Is it worth it? Uh, I don't know. It sounds like we come down kind of squarely on the fence. Let's talk about this. Number one, I want to go through a few of hers very quickly. Buying used whenever you can. Doc G, you guys spend much money buying used? 
We do, actually. And um, my kids grew up like buying stuff used either on eBay or there's some used clothes stores around here. So I am all for buying used, never buy new cars. Well, I shouldn't say that. We bought some new cars, but we like used cars at least a year old. I don't see why you wouldn't buy used or, you know, just like this shirt, you can wear the same shirt for three days, one that you got from a conference. And that really is the cheapest. (laughs) As as long as you're not in the room with me, feel free to wear that as many, many days in a row as you want. You know, I like this idea though, Katie, especially she, she has this uh, picture frame that she talks about that they had taken a photo at the Norwalk uh, Maritime Aquarium. They, dug into Goodwill and found there was a whole bunch of picture frames. Like they got the picture frame they would have dreamt of getting anyway, but found it at a Goodwill. Yep. I mean, I'm a big fan of, um, I know what clothes I like, you know, if it's a certain brand or a certain designer or a certain cut or whatnot. And if I can go find that and it's half price or a third price or a fourth price, like why not do it? I probably don't do it nearly as much now that I, have a business and a child, but, <laughs> but I do feel like it's also something that I think builds character, but it's kids. I, I know that kind of sounds funny, but yeah. I meet a lot of people who are like, yeah. I would never wear used clothing. And I'm like, why not? And then you teach your kids that, which is in my opinion, not a great thing to only think that only untouched clothing can ever you know, touch their body. And I'm like, it's a, there's a washing machine, wash the clothes before you stick them on your kid. Well, and I was thinking the same thing too, as kids grow, man, I felt like whenever we bought our kids new clothes, they grew out of them so quickly that it was um, largely a waste of money. I know whenever I was pregnant a long time ago, um, I bought every, almost every single item of my maternity clothing at a secondhand store because I was only planning on having one kid. And I was like, I'm only going to wear this literally for three months of my entire life. There is absolutely no reason to go buy this for $50 when I could get it for 15 or 20. Diana, she also talks about buy nothing groups. I have to, I've, I've known you for a couple of years. I have to think this is in your wheelhouse. Oh, absolutely. And even specifically on clothing. So for years I didn't buy any clothing and I got all of my stuff from hosting clothing exchanges with my friends. And not only is it a more resourceful way to get clothing, which by the way, my friends are way more fashionable than me. So it's like getting all this great clothing that I would have never bought myself for free. And you make an afternoon of it, you know, have some mimosas, play some music, have a clothing swap. And for me, it's much more enjoyable for shopping. I'm not a huge fan of shopping for clothing. So it was better on multiple levels for sure. That's fabulous. Doc G, she goes in next into DIY. Anything that you found you and your family DIYing more than you have in the past? Yes and no. I mean, certainly things like everyone in our neighborhood, for instance, uses a lawn service, but it's really easy. I have a you know 17-year-old son. He can, he can do the lawn. He's your um, lawn service. He's our lawn service. But I will tell you, the DIY goes both ways, and it depends on how handy you are, right? So there's DIYing simple things like general services you might use for the house, cleaning, that kind of stuff. But when you get to start trying to DIY renovations and building and that kind of stuff, you can end up costing yourself more time and hassle. Um, so I think to some extent, but you can go too far with that one. I don't know. Do you agree, Len? On the DIY? Yeah, yeah. I think you got to be careful on what you're DIYing because if you um, can make things worse, you could end up spending more money in the long run if you DIY and screw something up. So, And I'm that type of person. So I've, I've got to be very careful on what I, you mean you're the guy that will screw it up. Is that what you're saying? 
Yeah, that's all. I'm a yeah. I'm an engineer. I mean, that's a that's what we, <laughs> you know. I'm, <laughs> I'll get I'll get halfway done with a DIY, and I realize that I've watched twelve YouTube videos. I've wasted hours and hours. I call somebody and it's done in 15 minutes. It is done. And, exactly. And, and by the way, we got this piece, I should tell you, because give them some credit. It's from livingcozy.com. They pitched me on this. Uh, I'm not going to do with it what they wanted me to do. They wanted me to talk about DIY and they looked at all of the most expensive DIY projects that you could do yourself and save the most money. The number one DIY project around Homeland that will save you the most money, do you think is what? I would say installing ceiling fans. You ready for this? In their list, number one, <laughs> DIYing your fireplace. Like, <laughs> oh, that's that would have that was number two. It was, oh, there's nothing, there's nothing bad that can come out of that home burning oh, yeah. down, gas leaks. I mean, you know, I just, Katie, love the look on your face. Like, you could fifteen thousand dollars you'll save, but you're right. As long as you've got good homeowners insurance, uh, you're. <laughs> Your, mm -hmm. I, uh, the DIY fireplace, number one, DIY understair storage will save you 10,000. My brother-in-law actually did that and it looks really nice. Created an understair storage area. We did that too. You did that also? That's yeah. My tornado, that's me my and me and a bud. Yep. Me and my buddy did it. Yep. DIYing, pretty simple. DIYing your patio, $6,000 you save there. I do know people have put in pavers and, and in three different cases had a pro come in and re-put the pavers in. Because uh, mm. didn't get it. So because once they settled, the uh, the pavers moved so much. A garden room. Can I say, yeah, because Lynn's an engineer and does all the stuff himself. I had an engineering friend. Love him so much. He thought because we all helped each other on like projects sometimes that enough like beer and pizza would have us come over and help him do an entire freaking flagstone patio. <laughs> um, he, we essentially got like a four by four section in and he spent the next like four and a half to five months out there every night after work, tippy tapping that flagstone patio into place. It was beautiful when it was done, but mm. I'm too lazy for that, man. <laughs> I do like this one. Average professional cost of creating a fire pit, $1,063. I think you could DIY a really nice fire pit for a thousand bucks. I think that would be, that'd be fine. Anyway, those are some of hers. She also, by the way, I want to dive into just a couple more of these. She talks about comarying your expenses, meaning do the, does it spark joy before you buy stuff? Right. And then you- Is that what that meant? I didn't, I had no idea what that meant. Yeah, that's what, what was that? How do you? That's from the. You've been hanging out in the bunker too long. I, well, yeah. What is? It? Hey, you know what? I just found out what a charcuterie board was about a year ago. It's like it, you know, until a year ago, I, I hadn't even known what that was. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, all that is is just meats and cheeses. Like, give me yeah, some of that. Sounds so fancy. Yes, right. And olives. Don't forget the olives. The olives and, and the little the little dill pickles, right? The uh, yeah, Marie Kondo. There was a big series a few years ago with Marie Kondo Len, where she would help these hoarders go through their house, and with every single thing, she would have them lift it up and say, "Does this spark joy? Like you see this? Does it? And if it doesn't, it goes in a bag because you'd much rather somebody else was able to enjoy it instead of it sitting in a closet where it's not it's not doing you any favors." And so they did a whole popular series on uh, Marie Kondo. Conmaring is is what they call it. The, uh, your house. Let's talk about some of yours. 
that you guys have. And Len, you were asking, what <laughs> what about ones that you have? I can only imagine the bunker-based uh, inflation tips from Mr. Penzo. Well, no, no, no. Now, I, one of the things that I started a long time ago when I did these challenges, it's, it's so simple. It's like when you're shopping, get the store brand stuff instead of the premium brand stuff. I mean, you can knock the price off quite a bit off, off of a lot of things in the grocery store, for example, just by buying the store brand. And, and a lot of times you don't even, there's no drop off in quality at all. So, I mean, that to me is so simple and so basic, but I know a lot of people who are just, they pull away from those store brands and uh, it's worth a try, especially in this inflationary environment. Yeah. A Katie store brand for your family. Yeah, actually, we're all about, well, we talked about Costco. So we get Kirkland brand whatever quite frequently just because we're not really all that picky. Actually, my husband buys Kirkland brand coffee and has probably since we got our Costco membership. So maybe that does save us some money on the See, this is, this is, actually, this is actually funny because, Diana, earlier on you were talking about how you'd like to share the Costco membership like with somebody and, and split the cost. I do one more, which is that if we're having a party or a bunch of people over, cause it's just two of us, I will then find a friend of mine that has a Costco membership and ask them if they'll just go with me for that. But Katie, so I, we have that in common, Joe mooching off our friends. <laughs> absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Love it. But what's funny is I am such a snob that if I'm drinking wine myself, or if I'm drinking coffee myself, I will buy the stuff I think is really good. But if you're coming over to my house, <laughs> I will serve you the Kirkland brand <laughs> stuff. <laughs> And I don't know what that but says about But do you do that me. and then put it in the other bag? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I take out the little funnel and I'm funneling it into yeah. the high-priced wine bottle. Actually, the Kirkland, you know what's funny? Uh, to your point, Len, if I'm at a party and there's Kirkland wine, like that wine is pretty decent. I mean, it's, you know what I mean? I'm concentrating on you and I having a discussion. I'm not concentrating on, uh, man, this is good wine, but it's not, it's not horrible. <laughs> well. You know what? I, I'm not a wine aficionado, so I, you know, I'll take your word for it. If it's, if it's Costco, I'm sure you know Costco has a lot of the Kirkland brand stuff is to, is great. Everything I from which I by can't the way, think of anything that with the Kirkland label that's bad. Yeah, can I we really talk can't. about that for a second? When I was out on my book tour, I brought a bottle of wine over to share with Len, Len and the honeybee, and I ended up drinking it all myself. Because, yeah, you sure did. Cause, cause Thank God one, for Uber, Joe. Because <laughs> neither one of them are wine drinkers, so I made sure that we got that done. Uh, Dorothy says, in honor of uh, Greg McFarlane, who used to hang out with us here on Fridays, don't drink alcohol at all. Remember this, Len? Don't drink it because that is a big fat hole in your budget. Well, it's, you know what? It's put that under discretionary spending. Some people, it's yes. a, you know, that's a, a, one of the small pleasures in life. So Diana, you know. did you do this though? Or are you still doing this? Are you the, are you the friend who did, uh, I'm not buying any alcohol for a while. Yeah. I took a break for about nine months more for just like to see how I would feel birth, a sober experience. I guess you could say I was not pregnant. But yeah, I just kind of wanted to give it a go and and see how I felt. And now I definitely drink a lot less. Like I'm still drinking on and off, but definitely a lot less than I used to. I realized, by the way, that you were doing that right after I sent you a congratulatory bottle of wine. I, oh, and I drank that. <laughs> oh, good. good. <laughs> that was yes. free wine. It doesn't count, Joe. I'm exactly. The, <laughs> exactly. I'm an enabler. Was it Kirkland brand? 
It was not. Diana, no, was it Kirkland brand? It was not. It was, it was, it not. Yes. Okay. It was a very uh, nice bottle. It was a fun rosé, if I remember right. But then I remember I sent it and then I realized, oh my God, Diana's doing the I'm not drinking thing. It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Think about the receiver. It's all good. Yes. Uh, what else you got for inflation? Doc G, how about you, man? Let's get you in here. Um, all joking included here. Uh, but larceny, I mean, you can steal. Uh, that might be the easiest way to, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that no. might be the easiest. Um, you know, I, the way I think about it is obviously I think you want to be careful with your spending, but I, I also think that's somewhat limited. I mean, in a sense, my best way to fight inflation is also to hold equities and hope that over time as costs go up, that the value of these companies go up and I own large, you know, index funds that are broad based and hopefully, what I lose in my spending, I gain in my investments, or at least that's the hope long term is that is that ultimately the value of these companies should be worth more at some point based on the fact that they're collecting more profits. Uh, one more she has on here that I think we should look at. Check your compensation. I think this is a big one this year, Katie. I mean, with inflation, if true inflation, the consumer price index is really not inflation. Inflation truly is maybe 12, 13, 14, 15 percent. You've got to get a raise this 12, 13, 14, 15% just to keep up. Yeah. I mean, I've, so I work with a lot of women and just in general, women like being nice and they like stuff being fair. <laughs> so I actually do quite a bit of like coaching with, okay, you know, not necessarily let's go to the table and ask for a 12% raise, but like, hey, let's go look at what other people that are doing your exact role in your in your area are getting. And if you're way below, if you're like 20% below that, then let's figure out our strategy to actually have that conversation. Even if it's really uncomfortable because it's something that you need to get used to advocating for yourself, you know, over time. Lena, I know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but your number one tip for people going after a race. I think the most important thing for when you're at work and you want to ask for raises throughout the year, keep track of all of your accomplishments, everything you've been doing that has provided value to the company because of you, that you have done to provide that value and anything that has gone above and beyond what would be considered average and your normal work activities. By the time the year rolls around and it's, it's review time, you should have a, a quite a, a long sheet of bullet points for everything that you've done. And when you have that and you can take that into your boss at review time, it's a lot easier for you to ask for that raise. And it actually helps your boss as well. I mean, you're helping your boss help you, but it's, it's gotta be on you. You can't just sit, sit, go, go through the whole year and expect your boss to make your case for you. You have to make your case for you. So constantly be recording what you've been doing. I think that's a great place for us to end it, guys. Let's find out as we say goodbye for this week exactly what's going on where you live. And we'll finish with our guest of honor, Katie. But uh, let's start then, Mr. Penzo, with you. What's going on at Lempenzo.com? Well, I just put up my father-in-law uh, helped me put up a, a new uh, water heater. And to be quite honest, he did almost all the work. But I did it in diary form. So it's a diary on my blog there. It's Dear Diary, how uh, I uh, did a DIY water heater replacement and saved uh, $400. It's actually, it's kind of funny, the whole the whole thing, how all the trials and tribulations of getting it done DIY. So are, are, stop by lenpenzo.com and, and I think you'll enjoy it. Are you enjoying having more time to write on the blog now? 
Of course. Yes. Yes. It's, you know what? It's a lot less stressful. Yeah. When you have more time and you can be relaxed. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Doc G, I know that uh, you are on this uh, monster, monster uh, book tour uh, <laughs> with Taking Stock, which is absolutely fantastic. But um, what's going on at Earn and Invest? So, yes, I've been on interview after interview as part of the book tour. And that is really exciting on Earn and Invest. We are basically continuing our panel discussions every Monday. And on Thursdays, we're doing our individual discussions. And we just had Vitaly Katznelson on. He is the Thursday episode. His book is Soul in the Game. And it has some topics that are kind of similar to some of the things I talk about. So more not necessarily on how do we build our financial well-being, but what we do with it. And so he writes uh, a bunch of essays about that in his book, and we cover some of that in Taking Stock. There you go. There it is. For those of you not watching on YouTube, you just missed the gorgeous cover for Taking Stock. <laughs> yes. And by the way, you'll be on this show Wednesday. You'll be back Wednesday yeah. as our featured yep. guest talking about about the book and about hey, the things. Hey, real quick, I'm just curious. How, how does that work on the cover? Like, do they present a cover to you? Does the book company come to you and say, yes. here's the proposed cover. And can you say, oh, that that sucks. You know, can you, you can tell them to do yes. better. Yes, exactly. I, mean, I like actually, your cover. This is the third or fourth iteration. So they would send me pictures of the things that their designer put together. And I'd say, oh, I like this or I don't like that. And believe it or not, you go as far as all the fonts and colors. It's actually, for me, it was a, a good month process or so to get us there. Wow. I felt lucky. Ours was very, very quick. I had one like font change of the, they gave us three different things and we were probably done in, I'm going to say a day. We're finished. So very lucky there. Diana Merriam. Uh, yes. Thanks for hanging out with us. How's it going? Planning for this 2023 huge festival so on personal good. finance called Economy. Yes, it's so good. And actually, for the people listening live, this might benefit you. Probably too late for the people listening on the 29th. But we have one early bird ticket left. So these are selling like hotcakes. You said it last time I was on the show that they were all going to be gone yeah. by the time I was on the show again. But uh, we have one left. And so uh, very pleased with ticket sales. And I have been spending a lot of time going to other events. So I just went to the last World Domination Summit. I've been to four Camp Fives this year. And as an event producer, it's so fun to not be the one producing it and just get to enjoy <laughs> the event. <laughs> yes. Just watch everybody else doing it. Yeah, that's those campfires are so incredible. Love them, absolutely love them. Just a great time, and it's economy. Yes, with an M E at the end, so it's economyconference.com. Yes, there you go. Kate Until it's in France. Until it's in France, then it's economy. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's next year when they go international. Yeah, that's right. We're talking about, uh, and we're going to have the international version of our show, Stacking Euros. That'll be, that's coming up too. <laughs> Katie Brewer, it's about time that we got done with Fireside so we could have you back. Really, that's the reason why we don't do these on Fireside, so Katie Brewer can join us more often. Wow, I'm so honored. It's awesome. Well, what's <laughs> going on? Are, are you working on the blog? You got anything big happening or just helping clients? Oh, a little bit of both. We usually put out a new blog post every other week. So I was looking back at our last two and they were stocks and inflation. So we are also covering there these it is. things. 
whatever again. Actually, before that, it was home buying and student loans. So I kind of take like the most questions that I get from my clients, most of them in their 30s and 40s. And then we usually throw that into a blog post so that the next couple times people ask, I at least have a resource that I could use with those folks. But yeah, just kind of trying to stay on top of everything, especially student loans, because you never really know what's going to happen with them until it's literally 24 hours before the next deadline has expired. And then they make an announcement about what they're going to do next. It's kind of frustrating as a planner, but I'm sure people are very thankful to not have accumulated yes, interest during all of this. Time. Absolutely. But you're right. The, the people are constantly wondering, hey, uh, so is it over? Do, do I have to start yet? When do I, like where is it? Stop, start. Where are we at on this thing? Uh, but your richest life planning.com is where you go to find yeah. more, Katie. And we'll have links to everybody's stuff on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. All right, Diana, that's going to do it for today. You got it from here. What should we have learned today? So, what should we have learned today? First, inflation. Start with the things that matter in your life. Spend more on those items and cut unapologetically on the things you don't care about. That's how you fight inflation. Second, explore all the ways you can keep costs down, including buying things used, DIYing home maintenance, and focusing on sales at the grocery store. But the big lesson, dang, Star Trek was a long time ago, just goes to show that you can't trust the space-time continuum. I'm beaming back to the 90s when shows were good. Thanks to Katie Brewer for sharing her wisdom with us today. Learn more about her work at yourrichestlifeplanning.com. Thanks to Len Penzo for joining us today. You can find Len at lenpenzo.com. Thanks also to Doc G for joining us today. You'll find his new book, Taking Stock, on pre-order wherever books are sold. And when I'm not stacking Benjamins, I'm planning a party about money called the Economy Conference. Get your tickets now at economyconference.com. This show is the property of SB Podcast LLC, copyright 2022. And it's written in part by Paulette Perhatch, who helps writers power their words, their work, and their earning potential with her Powerhouse Writers Coaching Program. Find out more at powerhousewriters.com. Thanks also to our team who made today possible. Brooke Miller juggles the production of the show, handles the show notes, and creates our amazing newsletter, The 201, you know, while raising a one-year-old. Tina Eichenberg and Gertrude Smith are our social media mavens. Not only should you not take advice from these dorks, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. That's it for today. We'll see you back here on Monday on Stacking Benjamins.
After show, <laughs> that is so much more awkward while we're looking at each other. That long pause. Oh my goodness! I'm thinking. You should have done the Brady Bunch thing, you know, where I'm like looking here, and then I'm looking here. <laughs> I could move the move the squares around of everybody. Yeah, and we could just keep looking. Like we'll have to do that next time. It's even more fun. I know OG doesn't like sitting there for a minute, but it makes it even more. Even when he's not here, I'm like, oh yeah, we're doing it. I was about to say, making OG uncomfortable though is a is a pastime unto itself. <laughs> it <is a> uh, <laughs> uh, you know what? We were talking about earning more money, and I was thinking, Len, as you were talking about your uh, raise uh, advice, which was fantastic advice. But I was also thinking about a story I haven't heard before, which is if you guys have either been shut down for a raise, maybe because of the fact that you did a bad job of asking or you just got shut down. I remember, I remember a situation just to kick this off where I was in this uh, financial planning group. I was giving financial planning speeches for one of the top advisors in the nation, actually. And his team kept telling me, they're like, you should get a piece of this business. You should become a part of our business. And I'm like, oh, cool. That's great. And they're like, yeah, just go in there, like walk in there because all we talk about is like how you've partnered with us on so much stuff and how you should be a part of this group and, and how you should, uh, you should own a part of this. So I walked in after like all these members of the team told me about how much Pat wanted me as a part of the group, walked in and, uh, Pat's like, what's up? And I said, and I should have known that the time was wrong. Like he just seemed like he wasn't in a great mood. And I'm like, yeah, Pat, hey, I was thinking that, uh, you know, I've been working with you guys for quite a while and, um, and maybe I should officially like become a part of this group. And he goes, what the F are you talking about? Like literally, what the F are you talking about? I'm like, well, you know, I think I should own a part of this practice. He goes, oh, what? hell are you talking about? You're like the new guy in our group. Why the hell would I have you like go over all these people have worked for me forever. And it was funny because this team set me up. They totally set me up. I feel like they punked you. Oh, they totally did. Oh, they totally (laughs) did. And I walked in there and just, oh my God, it was horrible. It was just, I, and then he proceeded to just tell me about how stupid it was that I'd even come and talk to him for about the next 15 minutes, which was, which was great. So anyway, Len denied a raise, walk in and <laughs> walk in and oops, a raise. Well, you know, the couple times I got uh, business was bad and, and got, I got zero raise. But did you still, did you ask for one and not get one? Well, of course I always, <laughs> you mean, oh, you mean walk in? As, yes. You mean and say, I want to, ra- no, I don't think I've ever done that. I'm but talking I mean, about asking for raises or promotions and it goes really badly. Um, well, not, to, this didn't happen to me, but this is at where I worked. I will say this. If you're going to ask for a raise and you're going to bluff, you better, you better be sure your bluff is not going to be called. I had a coworker who was not happy with he for like three or four years. He was, and he wasn't the world's greatest. He was an underperformer. Um, but he was telling me how he was going to go in and he was going to tell the boss that, you know, I got this big raise and I'm going to, you know, if you don't match this offer, I'm going to, you know, walk. Well, he did it. He went, went into the boss's office and he told him, if I don't, if you don't give me a 10% raise right now, here's, you know, I just got another offer and I'm walking. And the boss said, well, 
you know, it's been a pleasure working for you, you know, working with us, but uh, good luck to you. And uh, I wish you all the best. So might've wanted to think through that a little better. Well, fortunately for him, he, 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 he never, he, he didn't quit. So he, he didn't, you know, he didn't tender his resignation right there. He, the boss just called his bluff and he slunked out basically. And he was still working there at, you know, a year or two years after the fact, but yeah, it was, it was pretty embarrassing for him. I was going to say how it's still bad to be that guy. Then you got to look at your boss oh. over and over and. Well, the thing, you know what, the thing is for him, you know, you think he'd put two and two together. If you're not getting good raises, it's been, it's one thing when the businesses did not do well and people have to suck it up. But, you know, when you get three, four or five bad raises in a row, uh, you know, you got to start thinking, hmm, maybe the problem is not the company. Maybe the problem is you. Yeah. The fit you know? might not be. Might yeah. Not be there. yeah. Katie, how about you? Well, I do remember. I probably wasn't even actually a raise, but it was a position where I had interviewed and I had asked all the questions and I asked about the range and this and that. And they came back and offered me something that I was like, what the hell is this? (laughs) I think that they had told me the range was like 48 to 55 or something. And this was quite a while ago. And uh, when they came back with the offer, they were like, it's $45,000. And I was like, hold on. (laughs) Like, here's what this person said. Here's what this person said. And then here's what you just offered me. And I was like, so I'm going to need you to go back to the drawing board and figure out how you can make it more in line with A and B and not, and not this thing. Did it work? It did. I didn't quite get up to where the, um, you know, senior planner had told me he thought it would be, but it did get up. I don't know, probably 3000 or 4,000 more. And then I kind of pre-negotiated. At that point, I didn't have my CFP certified financial planner, but I was working on it. So I was like, how about this? I'll take it at what the new offer is. And then as soon as I have those CFP credentials, you're going to bump me up to this. So I kind of did like more of a pre-negotiation because I figured like before you take the job is really always like the very best time if they really want you to come on to kind of strategize all that. So it was like, well, hey, I could save another conversation in a year or so if I just tell them I want to bump up to this as soon as I get the CFP and it worked. Doc G, raise negotiation gone bad? Um, not really bad, but I, I remember when I was first a physician, my first job was horrible and I did it for about six months and it was for a company that was overworking the, the physicians. And it was just really, really bad circumstances. I applied for a job at the hospital that I was working at through this other job. The salary was set, but there was a, there was a, a non-compete that was like for 10 miles. Like you couldn't work anywhere within 10 miles for a year or two. And I really like hammered away. I'm like, I want no non-compete because my plan was to work for this company for another few years, build a patient population, then go out on my own. So I remember hammering and hammering away and I got them down to two miles, but I couldn't negotiate out the non-compete. But that was that. that's the best I got. And then I mostly worked for myself the rest of my life. So I didn't have to deal with that so as much. Yeah. I had this yeah. boss called but, me, wouldn't give me a damn raise. Yeah, exactly. But I want—I wanted to mention a flag on the play when it comes to the trivia. I am, I am now bitter about the trivia because <laughs> Will Wheaton is forty-nine today, which is obviously closer to forty-eight than fifty-one. Now the he day does that turn, we're recording. Oh, are you really? Yeah, gonna but do? If, so 
but but then think about this philosophically. The day you turn 50, you're about a year and a day away from 49, and you're about a year and a day away from 51. So technically, it's really a tie. <laughs> right? Technically. If you took 48 and a half, maybe you got, you know. 464 <laughs> days versus 51 in one day. You're we talking just, about. We just play the number. We just play the number. Yeah. I'm right today, Len. You might be right in how many days, but Doc, this just, is not. This is very unbecoming of you. Just remember. I, I, just very remember. <laughs> At least he just, saved it until the you're after lucky, show. You're lucky. You're lucky. You're, you're lucky. You're sick, right? No, I expect this hard. kind of argument from OG, but from you, no. Well, well I'm I mean, here. I'm in yeah. here in place of OG today. So exactly. that's right. OG's been texting him, Len. That's BS. <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> he's been texting him. <laughs> well, wait a minute, guys. We got one more story here. Uh, Diana, w- we all know your famous story where you had the horrible <laughs> boss. And just, I think most, if people don't know that, there's plenty of places they can hear that story. But how about another one? Yeah. So let's go back further. I was a senior in college and I had worked full-time during the day and went to school full-time at night. And it's kind of how I got into my career of brand extension and licensing. So I worked at this tiny little agency and the, the base salary was like less than 30 grand. Right. And so I needed to, um, you know, they kind of sold it to me on like, well, you can make commission on the deals you do. Granted, I had no experience in this industry to do deals. No, neither did anybody else on the team, but I actually was the only person on the team that sold anything. So I used simple algebra to figure out that for me to make like the 15, 20 grand that I wanted to make to get me to like a 50 grand salary, which to me at that time in my life was like, oh man, if I could make 50 grand at, you know, 22, that felt really good. So I did simple algebra to figure out that I was going to have to bring in like a million dollars in advances based on the rate for me to make 15, 20 grand and get my salary to 50. And when I figured that out, I was not tactful about it at all. I basically like threw up my arms like, this is ridiculous. And I told everybody I worked with and I got them all riled up about how unfair it was. Um, oh, the boss that, loved you. Know, you. Yeah. And so... Read a, a, a revolution. Yeah. I mean, I really did kind of get everyone riled up. And, you know, before that, they had given me a raise... I think they gave me like a five grand raise. I was the only person on the team that ever sold anything in the 11 months that I was there or something like that. And the story on your LinkedIn profile. Yeah, really. And, uh, and I got fired from that. <laughs> they, uh, I mean, of course they documented that it was because I came in a few minutes late yeah. and you know, they had all this documentation. They were looking of all these, for like, a reason. Stupid, they were looking for a reason because I got everyone all riled up. But before that, I was literally employee of the month. <laughs> like literally. They couldn't put lead a revolution of underpayment. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But who knows? Maybe the, I'm, I really hope they're paying people more now. <laughs> well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month. And we are giving out shout outs to all of our friends who have served in the military and let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend og who spent time in the military and of course we know what a giver he is even when he pretends like he's being uh mr surly 
Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. 